you are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Fast Break Edition podcast. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Today we're going to be looking at the top 20 players in fantasy basketball and then doing a fantasy check-in, a trade deadline check-in, coincidentally, on the New Orleans Pelicans, the New York Knicks and the Oklahoma City Thunder. But a quick note, there will be no regular podcast today uh, because it is my birthday, so I'll be out uh, celebrating that. So no regular podcast today. Um, be back in regular schedule for tomorrow. Michael Bolton, he's had ready to say happy birthday. Let's get to it. To it. Well, that's as good as a happy birthday as you're going to get. All right, guys, let's take a look at the top 20 players over the last two weeks in fantasy basketball. The number one player, absolutely nobody should be surprised. It is Jimmy Harden of the Houston Rockets, averaging, yes, averaging 48 points a game, five triples, nine rebounds, five assists, two steals, and 1.3 blocks. I don't know what more I need to say about Harden. Chris Paul is back now, but he still did the same sort of stuff in that first game with CP3 back. At some point, there's going to be some sort of a drop-off for Harden, but he's going to remain, if not the number one player, at least in the top two for the rest of the season. The number two player over the last couple of weeks, really surprising, is Kyrie Irving. Only five games, and he's dealing with a bit of a hip issue, which I think is somewhat rest-related. 37 minutes, but 31 points, 5 rebounds, and 11 assists. For Kyrie to get 11 assists, that is a massive, massive boost. This is a guy that used to be like a 5-assist sort of a player. 11 assists and... 2.4 steals, all the while shooting 56% from the field and 83% from the line. These are ludicrous numbers. These are number one fantasy player type numbers if Jim Harden didn't exist. That's how good Kyrie has been. I guess we could expect a level of drop-off there because these assist numbers and steal numbers and efficiency are career-high type numbers from Irving, but he has been ludicrous this season and should remain a first-round guy for the majority of the rest of the season. Number three is Paul George. His great year continues. 30 points a game over his last seven games. Five triples and eight rebounds. The five assists is a nice surprise. The three steals is awesome. His uh, field goal percentage tends to wax and wane, but 46% and then 86% from the line on eight attempts is obviously really, really beneficial. He is the best player on the Oklahoma City Thunder, in my opinion. He's the best fantasy player, pretty clearly, and putting up very, very strong numbers and looks like he's going to be that top half first round guy, which absolutely nobody predicted at the start of the season. The fourth ranked guy so far this year, or not so far this year, over the last two weeks. I'm a fun guy. (laughs) <laughs> the fun guy, Kawhi Leonard, only the three games, but 33-7-3 with two steals and almost three triples on 51 and 97%. And 97% is really important because he's taking 10 free throw attempts per game. That is a huge, huge bump in that category. The the games off are annoying. The, the rest is annoying. He just missed that whole week uh, a week ago, but you're back in action now, putting up big numbers, and, and you do worry. Now, the Raptors only have a couple of back-to-backs left this season. I think only two more, maybe three at a stretch. I, have, I don't have that number in front of me. But there is still a chance that he rests at other times during the year, but the production on a per-game basis is fantastic. Number five is Anthony Davis. We'll talk about his trade stuff uh, either on the audio podcast later in the show, or you can go check out my trade deadline video as well on the Pelicans. 
Over the last two weeks, he's the fifth-ranked player. He's dealing with that finger issue, averaging 34 and 14 with four assists and 1.7 blocks. Strong, strong numbers from Davis, and he's going to be there or thereabouts for the rest of the season. Number six is Kyle Anthony Towns, 25 and 10, two triples and one and a half steals and blocks on 52 and 94. And these are the numbers that you should be looking at. And there is absolutely nothing there with Towns that looks crazy. Yeah, 25 and 10, sure. One and a half steals, one and a half blocks, sure. Four assists, absolutely. 52 and 94, no worries. These are the sort of numbers that he can do, and that means that he can be a top six to top five to top four type of fantasy guy the rest of the way. There'll be days or times when his percentages drop. There'll be times when the block numbers drop, but this is sort of who he is, I think, for the rest of the year. Number seven is Joel Embiid. Of the Philadelphia 76ers, 30 and 13 with two triples a game and two blocks on 53 and 80. The difference between Embiid being the 12th ranked guy and the 7th ranked guy is shooting. If he can keep it at 53% and 80% instead of 47 and 77, then this is where he remains. He looks like he's going to be locked in as a first round guy for the rest of this season and for pretty much the rest of the next seven to eight years. Number eight is Kevin Durant slid down a little bit. The the return of DeMarcus Cousins had a marginal impact, a bit of a reduction in usage for Durant. 26 and seven, two and a half threes, which is really low for Durant, in fact. And he's shooting 44%. He's just not taking very many of them. 1.2 steals and two blocks. The percentage is elite, but his free throw attempts have also dipped off as well. While his teammate Steph Curry is number nine, 29 points, five triples, five assists. The steals and blocks are quite low for Curry. The efficiency is fantastic. Hasn't missed a free throw in the last uh, last two weeks of action. 100% on 5.5 attempts per game. Really good stuff from Steph. Nothing about what they're doing at the moment seems crazily unsustainable. And to round out the top 10, it's Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets. Only five games for Jokic. He was suspended in the middle there. And he's playing under 30 minutes a night. So that's obviously the, the lowest minutes of anybody in that top 10. 23, 12, and 9.5 only blocking 0.4 shots a game. So if that went up to 1, 1.1 per game, then we're talking about a top seven type of a guy. Only 49% from the field. Two years ago, he was shooting 60% from the field. So that's got room to improve and nothing else there seems stupid. You know, 23, 12, and nine is not crazy numbers for Jokic. So is this baseline for him? Is this sort of where he sits now? There'll be times when he goes to the you know, 16, 17 type range if that field goal percentage drops further, but he's got room to get better than this as well. Number 11 is Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz. 17 and 15 for Gobert with over three blocks on 63% shooting. And he's up to 73% from the line, which is still below average, but it's better than being a 67% guy because it's very easy to recover from that percentage versus a 67% guy. He has been rock solid this season. The blocks are consistent. The big field goal percentage, one of the most, one of, I was going to say most perfect, that doesn't make sense. He is a perfect head-to-head type of guy with really clear delineated strengths, some significant weaknesses, but you can build around that pretty clearly. And number 12 is Damian Lillard, 29 points in the last six. He missed the last game for the, the Blazers with, a, I think it was a fake injury, but uh, 30, 29 points. Six assists, four rebounds, 1.5 steals. That 1.5 steals for Lillard is a real bonus. You don't normally get that out of him. 47 and 94, and only shooting 31% from three. So there is room for that to get better. Now, he's not normally a 47% shooter because he's not normally a 56% two-point guy. But those other numbers seem about right. This is around the right zone for Lillard. The 13th ranked player is General Saunas, Jimmy Butler, who's dealing with this wrist issue. 
He's only played the three games over the last two weeks. 21 points, five assists, and 2.3 steals on 51 and 93. He can still be a top 20 guy in Philadelphia. The numbers can still uh, occur. There's going to be stretches where, where they're not there, where he's not quite as efficient, but he seems to be getting a little bit more comfortable if only this wrist would heal up. And we know Jimmy Butler's the king of getting injured in February and March, so let's hope nothing lingers here. Number 14 is Yanni Antetokounmpo. Uh, over six games, averaging 26, 13 and a half with five assists. The blocks are down, only 0.8 blocks. And one of the real strengths of under the Kumpo is normally his blocks. 1.7 steals. And of course, the free throws at 72%. The big difference between him at 72% and Gobert at 72% and why Yanni is a significant negative is because he takes nine attempts per game and Gobert takes just six attempts per game. And six attempts is still a lot, but nine takes it on another level. It's at a 50% boost on the uh, the amount of um, the amount of attempts as opposed to Gobert. And we know that once you're below average in a percentage category, the more attempts you take, the significantly worse you become. So not every 72% free throw shooter is created equal. A 72% guy on one attempt per game is really not an impact at all. On nine attempts, it's a pretty significant negative. And that uh, combined with the lower blocks here for Yanni has reduced him down to the 14th best player. Number 15, of course, is an anomaly. Theo Pinson of the Brooklyn Nets. Only the one game he played 26 minutes in that game. He had 19 points with three triples and eight rebounds and two steals. That's great. Absolutely no chance of that being able to be sustained. But the Nets are dealing with some injuries. Hollis Jefferson's been in and out of the locker room. Trivion Graham, Smoking Joe Harris are hurt now. Alan Crabb, Jared Dudley, Spencer Dinwiddie. Pinson is hitting the three at high volume in the G League. Um, so in deeper leagues, he is someone to pay attention to, but of course, he's not going to last at this level. His teammate, though, number 16, D'Angelo Russell, 25, 5 threes, 4 rebounds, 7 assists, 1 steal. The 50% shooting is high. He's not getting to the line at all, just one attempt per game on 71%. And that's a great illustration of what I was talking about with um, yeah, the, the impact of, uh, of low-volume free throws. He shoots a worse percentage than Yanni and Gobert, but is not... He's actually more beneficial in the free throw percentage category. He's not beneficial. He's a negative, but he's less of a negative than what Gobert and Ante de Kumpo are at that area. I expect a level of regression here from Russell because he don't. I don't think he continues to shoot at 50% and 53% from three. Number 17 is Chris Paul. He's only had the one game let back, 12-5-6 and six with three steals. I don't think we should be looking at him as a top 20 guy. Probably top 30 is realistic for Paul. Number 18 is Blake Griffin of the Detroit Pistons. Griffin has been great. 31-7-5, 38 minutes a game, 50-77. and 77. We all worry about the injuries with Griffin, but he hasn't been hurt at all this season. That could come at any time, but it could come at any time for literally anybody. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of the smacking injury-prone labels on people because, again, someone's injury-prone until they aren't. So there's always a chance he can get injured, and the chance is probably a little bit higher for Griffin, but it doesn't mean that it's going to happen necessarily. Uh, and his per-game production has been strong all year. Number 19, Nikola Vucevic of the Orlando Magic. I, I still maintain I don't think he gets traded, but we're going to find out in two weeks whether that's true or not. 23-13, and 13, almost four assists, 1.4 blocks, 48-80, and 80, strong percentage numbers from Vuce, and he's been in this second-round zone for the majority of the season. I think he probably is in this you know, 18 or 15-25 to 25 range for the rest of the year. And number 20, LaMarcus Aldridge of the San Antonio Spurs, 23-9 and nine with two blocks. The legendary efficiency is there, 53-86. and 86. They are yeah, two of his best categories. In fact, they are his two best categories outside of blocks, which are at two per, per game. 
and just not hitting any threes at all, but putting up some really strong numbers as DeMar DeRozan continues to struggle for the San Antonio Spurs. The, the next four out of the top 20, Toby Harris, Rajon Rondo, Kemba Walker, and Clay Thompson. That is your top 20 players in fantasy basketball over the last two weeks. All right, guys, let's do some fantasy check-ins, trade deadline stuff, and how fortuitous that I just happen to be in alpha. And I go through these in alphabetical order, and the first team off the rank today is the New Orleans Pelicans. Absolutely fantastic timing there, because, of course, the news is that Anthony Davis has told the Pelicans he won't be re-signing with them, and won't be signing that extension, and has requested a trade from this team. So that, of course, means everybody is going to the trade machine, which I absolutely despise. I hate the trade machine. I hate looking at it. I hate the absolute nonsense trades that get bandied about and thrown all across uh, social media all the time. Hate it. But we're here to talk about what could happen in an Anthony Davis trade. Let's get one thing off the, off the board here. He can't be traded to Boston. Like he, he can't be. It's literally impossible for him to go to the Celtics. You can talk about their assets all they want, but while Kyrie Irving is on his current contract, Anthony Davis cannot be a member of the Boston Celtics because you can't have two guys signed to those Rose Rule rookie extensions on the same team, and both Davis and Irving are on those contracts. Now, next season, when Kyrie presumably re-signs, although Windhorst are throwing it out there that Kyrie might be looking at going to the Lakers with AD, which would be really something. If Kyrie does remain in Boston, signs his new contract, then Davis is free to get traded there, no problem whatsoever. But for this season, he cannot go there. Do I think Anthony Davis is traded by this trade deadline? No, I don't. I think that they will look to do that in the offseason. They'll see where draft picks fall. They'll see what sort of assets they can get. I don't think that Davis will go. Now, it seems pretty clear that he does want to go to the Lakers, but he doesn't necessarily have that choice. But it also might reduce the willingness of teams to deal if they're only going to get one season out of Davis. But it also might mean that teams do up their offer at the trade deadline for a playoff push plus one whole season, you might be able to get some good deals where the Pelicans go, well, you know what? We might just have to take this deal because you're not just getting half a season of Davis. You're getting one and a half seasons of him. Push for two lot two playoff series out of him. That might be enough to give up a decent package. Remembering again, Boston cannot do that this season. So there are some significant situations here now in terms of if Davis is moved off the Pelicans, what happens? I've got absolutely no idea because the, the package coming back has to include players and draft picks. So you would think someone comes back with some level of upside that's going to slot in there. Now, the way Jaleel Okafor is playing at the moment, he's got some value, and he is a must-roster guy for now. And you know, holding him through the trade deadline makes a lot of sense because they might trade Davis for picks and guards, and then you have Okafor and Randall as the starting front court with Miritich coming off the bench, and he has value. So holding on to someone like Jalil Okafor for the next two weeks, even if Davis comes back, is probably worth it given this recent news, even though, again, I put the, the, the likelihood of Davis being traded at, at less than 50%. Where does Anthony Davis go? Well, I'm, I can't really speculate on that, but wherever he goes, pretty much every situation, unless it was the Golden State Warriors, which seems pretty impossible, his numbers are going to be fairly similar. He's going to do what he does. He's going to get his steals, his blocks. He's going to rebound the ball. His efficiency is going to be fine. He may take a hit in usage, but on what team is he coming and being a third banana on that team? He's maintaining a high usage with guys like Randall, who's high usage, uh, Drew Holiday's high usage. Of course, he's better than those guys. Even if he went to the Lakers and played with LeBron, it would be him and LeBron getting all the usage. It wouldn't be Brandon Ingram, or it shouldn't be if Luke Walton knows what he's doing. Davis comes in, and he is the man wherever he goes. Like it's, it's as simple as that. So I think his numbers stay relatively the same no matter where he ends up in that scenario. Now, a lot of people asking this question, 
Is Davis going to be shut down for the season now, Josh? The Pelicans won't want to risk injuring their trade asset. Davis won't want to risk getting injured if he goes to another team. And I honestly, I can't see this happening. Often teams will sit a guy down for two days, three days, once a trade is getting figured out. That's fine. But Anthony Davis's contract runs for the rest of this season and all of next season. So are we just saying he's not going to play for the next one and a half years? Or for the next three months of this season, the Pelicans are going nowhere. They're going to tank. They're going to shut him down. The NBA will absolutely lose its mind if that happens. The Pelicans will get fined a lot of money. They will lose draft picks as well. If they end up just saying, we are not playing Anthony Davis for three months because we want to preserve him until he can get traded in July, they will get fined. I do not look. Anything is a possibility. Dumb stuff happens all the time. The Bulls got warning letters last season for resting Justin Holiday. Imagine how the NBA is going to feel about Anthony Davis just sitting out for the rest of the season so he can get traded in the offseason. They will not let it stand. That's that's my... I don't think they will let it stand. Davis has reiterated to Gentry that he will play. He will play out the season. He's dealing with his finger issue. He could be back this week, maybe next week. Sure, an injury could pop up at any time for Davis, and that may mean the end of the season for him. That could happen. Right, but it's not going to be we are shutting him down and he is just not playing the rest of the season. There would be so much investigation by the NBA on a scenario like that, on a small market team with one of the biggest stars in the league. They, they just, I don't see them letting it happen. And you can conspiracy theory me as much as you want. And hey, when I'm wrong, come at me and, and tell me about it, because I'm sure you will. I just do not see Anthony Davis healthy just not playing again. I just don't see it happening. We'll see. Anyway, there any any other guys on this team that are tradable? I'm sure they'd love to get themselves off Solomon Hill's contract. Each one more, perhaps, at $8 million could, if they are looking to just blow things up, he, at, at almost $9 million, is is an asset that the contending teams could really use, a nice bench piece. Maybe he could move there. But you know, the, the big news here, of course, is Anthony Davis. And, and the one thing I'd be looking at is you know, having Julie Lokafor and holding him through this trade deadline to see where it all goes uh, for the New Orleans Pelicans. All right, fantasy check-in time for the New York Knicks. When we look at the trade deadline, there's a lot of candidates here, of course. Ennis Cantor, Tim Hardaway, Courtney Lee, all guys that they'd be looking to get rid of. If possible, you know, does it open up value for guys? Well, Courtney Lee's not playing at all, so there's no impact there. Ennis Cantor, also not playing at all. Uh, Tim Hardaway would be the big interesting one, and the guy you'd want to look at there is Alonzo Trier. You'd get a big, a bit of a boost for minutes for Mario Hazonia, and probably Damian Dotson as well would get value. So Trier's a guy I think that is a 12-team league at at the moment. I think that no matter where Hardaway goes, his value is going to dip significantly. So if you can get any sort of top 100, top 80 sort of a player back for Hardaway, which is going to be a big stretch, but if you could do that, I would absolutely look at it. But I also wonder which team is, is going to be parting with anything to get uh, $35 million worth of Tim Hardaway onto their team. That seems like a stretch. Also with Cantor, you look, stashing him through the trade deadline makes sense. But as I've constantly reiterated, what team is affording his $18.5 million contract that then wants to play him 25 minutes a night? That is the big concern with Cantor. Who is paying that money for him? Uh, and then who is playing him those minutes? Yeah, that's that's the worry I have with Cantor where yeah, we can say, oh, we, we, all he needs is minutes. And we, I know that's true. Everyone knows that's true. But who's giving it to him? Like Sacramento, the name that's been brought up a lot for Cantor. Does he come in and start over Willie Cauley-Stein? Probably not. 
Does he come and play those 16, 17 Harry Giles minutes? Maybe. Does he come in and yeah, impact the development of Marvin Bagley? Well, Dave Yeager's the coach, so probably. But is he getting 25 a night? I find that yeah, unrealistic. That means you're playing Corley Stein 23 minutes a night. I, I don't see that being the case. And that's why I do question his long-term value uh, in terms of fantasy numbers. As I said, if Courtney Lee goes, doesn't matter. If Cantor goes, it doesn't matter. They're not actually playing at the moment for the Knicks. So what we've got at the moment is Cornette and Robinson as those interesting 12-team league guys who have already replaced Cantor. Cornette will do that when he comes back. And then the uh, the Hardaway scenario will likely be Hazonia, uh, Tria, and Dotson taking up that role with Tria getting a, a decent enough run. But of course, uh, we've co- also got the... Uh, the old data man himself in charge there who's consistently just jerking minutes around every single game, making it really hard to get uh, any sort of consistent form from the players or consistency in trying to work out what they are going to do. All right, guys, let's do a fantasy check-in now on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Looking at the trade deadline, I really don't... Look, Sam Presti in the past has been pretty active at the trade deadline. I'm not really sure I see any massive candidates to be moved here. You've got Dennis Schroeder, but there's a lot of money on that contract, and he's not that good. I don't see really any teams being interested there. Plus, he's fulfilling a role as Russell Westbrook's backup and playing alongside him. Um, yeah, Patrick Patterson, but they have a real dearth of bigs. The only backup center they've got is Nerlens Noel, so I don't see him going anywhere. Timotei Lawawu Cabarro, I don't imagine his market is all that big, and he's not going to be an impact guy anywhere. I really don't see this Thunder team making any moves. George Westbrook, Adams Grant, like those guys are all locked in. Terrence Ferguson, he's providing some really strong value at the moment. If anyone was to be dealt on this team, it would be really low end. I could see someone like Alex Abrines, maybe, who's been dealing with some personal issues, and that's kept him out for a significant amount of time. He could be an interesting uh, guy who can help other teams if they're determined to go with uh, Abdul Nadir and, and Terence Ferguson and Dennis Schroeder over him. Maybe they could get something back for Abrines and he becomes somewhat of a deep league, uh, poor man's Marco Bellinelli three-point streaming option who has really struggled uh, in the NBA. I thought he'd be significantly better than what he has been so far. The Andre Robertson scenario is frustrating. It doesn't appear like we're going to get him back anytime soon for this team, but they're just going along nicely. I don't really see any trades in the works for this team or any trades that are going to make any sort of uh, real fantasy impact at all, whether it's guys coming in or or positions being opened up or or guys going out. I don't really see any sort of uh, shake-up on this Thunder team coming for the rest of the season. But I just want to mention one thing. Uh, Jeremy Grant has been fantastic this season, taking a huge step forward, and he is a a must-roster top 100 guy for the rest of the season. Yeah, still available in 24% of Yahoo leagues. So even in 10-team leagues, I think you need to be looking at Grant. He's blocking shots. He's scoring at a better level. His efficiency is really, really improved. He's hitting threes at a better rate as well. This is a guy that struggled to get to 30% from three for many, many seasons and uh, really stepped it up this year, taking that, that big step forward. Uh, you killed Patrick Patterson, obviously, who was you know, potentially a chance to start at power forward or to split minutes, and he has ground him into dust, and we're just not seeing anything. Patterson's, man, Patterson's career has just been, it's been disgraceful over the last couple of seasons. What a downturn, and it just shows how much having those bung knees, which Patterson has, has really, really just killed his ability to be a, an effective NBA player. Nerlens Noel, if I had to actually, if I had to give one guy that potentially could move, maybe it is Nerlens Noel. Um, we know that give him 25 minutes a night, like I just talked about with Cantor, then he does come and be a real fantasy option. Now he's only getting the the scrap minutes behind Stephen Adams, who's a you know, 34, 35 minute a night guy, meaning you got 13, 14 minutes of Noel. 
And that's probably not enough in most circumstances. But if someone is in desperate need for a cheap backup center, making the minimum, then Noel is interesting. But of course, that leaves the Thunder with no backup center. So they'd want to get something back in return. And then what are you doing? Trading a backup center for another backup center. And Noel is one of the best backup centers in the NBA. So probably not. He is the best maybe achievable asset on this team if other teams are going to be looking at someone from the Thunder, but I don't really see that being uh, being a situation that does manifest itself. So that is a bit of a fantasy check-in for the for trade deadline coming up for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And that'll do it for another Locked On Fantasy Basketball Fast Break Edition podcast. Remember, no regular show today, but you can follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble. And of course, the Locked On Podcast Network at Locked On NBA Net. Follow that and subscribe to the show. Give it a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. And on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Give it a thumbs up. Leave a comment. You know the drill, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.